Welcome to the Stronger Than Autoimmune podcast. As an autoimmune warrior myself, I understand living with a chronic illness isn't easy. You're not alone. This podcast is to give hope. I will interview individuals living with autoimmunity along with experts and businesses to provide knowledge and support. As a health coach, I understand there is no cure for autoimmune disease, but creating small changes can influence how we feel and be stronger than autoimmune. Hello, Warriors. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Marianne Pinkston, a family practice and integrative medicine physician in the San Antonio community for over 25 years. She suffered with rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune hepatitis, and cancer while being the medical director of three medical offices. Dr. Pinkston lost 162 pounds in one year after being diagnosed with diabetes and since then has trained for fitness competitions. She is the vice chair to the South Texas Arthritis Foundation, is on the Global Pain Association Board, and the health and fitness editor of San Antonio Monthly Magazine. Dr. Pinkston is a radio talk show host and has her own YouTube channel called Dr. P Better Life. I brought her on the show to talk about her journey with autoimmune disease and more. So let's get started. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Pinkston, for joining me on the Stronger Than Autoimmune podcast. Yes, ma'am. And so it's a pleasure. I've been happy to meet you and uh, it's an honor for you to ask me to do this. Oh, thank you. And please share where you're coming from or connecting from, actually. Sure. Well, I'm in San Antonio, Texas, where I have been for over 30 years. And it has uh, been a long road. I've been a doctor for about uh, 26 years now. And um, so I am uh, practicing on the north side of San Antonio and do my podcast and all those things. And I've uh, been here a long time. I love San Antonio. Yeah. Yes. I, well, I do too. It's my hometown. <laughs> Absolutely. And you have such a robust resume and personal life. I brought you on the show initially to talk about your journey with autoimmune diabetes and cancer. But the more I started reading up on you, the more I got intrigued with your professional life. And I would like to start there. What got you started interested in medicine? Well, I was uh, actually, it was my grandfather when I was a little girl, he was not a doctor, but he was a healer. He just had that knack and loved science and biology and the body and things. And uh, I think I wanted to be a doctor ever since my mom says ever since she could remember as far as back as I could. So I always knew through high school, college, uh, everywhere that I wanted to practice medicine, wanted to do family practice mainly because I was from a small town and my doctor as a little girl was a great family practitioner and took care of everybody and delivered babies and did surgeries. And I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. So I wanted to take him, Dr. Rhodes. And, uh, but as I, uh, you know, got through medical school and and, uh, into residency and landed in San Antonio, I, you know, got into practice, finished up residency, and I got into practice for quite a few years. And I think it was around 2006 when I developed a lot of joint pain and swelling and uh, very fatigued. And uh, I knew when I woke up with it one morning, actually, January 20th of 2007, uh, I woke up. Oh, wow. I mean, it was that fast. 
and I woke, it was right after my third pregnancy and I woke up with rheumatoid arthritis and I knew what it was, but it took me four years to convince any physicians, uh, you know, my peers and friends, you know, it took me four years to convince them that I was sick. In fact, one of those peers and friends uh, told me he wanted to send me to a psychiatrist because my labs were negative and I was just in so much pain. He thought maybe I just wanted pain medicine. It was really very insulting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that changed my journey forever. I, I realized that all of my patients were complaining of things that modern medicine, contemporary medicine just couldn't explain. And so I uh, had a, um, a pharmacist here in town, uh, Mr. Carson, who has since passed, but he told me that I was an integrative functional medicine doctor in the making. And he had followed me for years and just knew that's what I would uh, do. And he paid for a trip out to Vegas for a conference Mm. on integrative medicine. I was a little resistant because I I think the same thing everybody else thinks we're just a bunch of quacks, right? So (laughs) he paid for my trip out to Vegas. And from the very first lecture with uh, Dr. Pam Smith, who is, a, you know, helped to develop a forum and a huge integrative society from her lecture on for the next four days, the light bulb went off and I was amazed at the science that was presented and that was behind all of these things. And it, it helped me figure out what was wrong with me. I knew coming home what was wrong and I knew, you know, what to do. And, and so from 2007 on, I have spent studying, doing fellowships and, you know, um, just training after training, mostly through A4M and their fellowship program through George Washington University and Morsani uh, School of Medicine uh, to learn about hormones and endocrinology, you know, thyroid and all those things, um, autoimmune disorders and whatnot. The problem was I still had rheumatoid arthritis and uh, really was very, very difficult to find somebody who would take care of that. I was on a lot of steroid medications, uh, started gaining weight, the stress of trying to work and be sick because I was the breadwinner in the family and, you know, all those stressors begin to really pile up. I, I realized now that I had an eating disorder. I would eat emotional eat from a stress and binge eat. And so I did gain up to 300 pounds. I went through, um, you know, kidney failure. I mean, I was almost on dialysis uh, because of all the Advil I was taking just to try to keep going, Um, developed diabetes through all of that. And so eventually did develop melanoma, cancer twice. And so the autoimmunity, you know, kept getting worse. And I just had a lot to figure out and uh, huge challenges in front of me. I, with the help of a great physician here in town, Pendleton Wickersham, a rheumatologist, uh, helped me put my life back together and put me on the road of, of recovery for a lot of things. I'm still sick, but I, I do so much better now with great medicines and, and a lot of integrative style medicine and hormones and things like that. But I uh, wound up losing a hundred. Now I've lost almost 170 pounds. I'm, I was 131 this morning, my all time low from 300 to 131 this morning. And I, you know, want to uh, do competitive uh, modeling for, you know, the fitness competitions and things like that. I just never dreamed that I would do what I've done. And, and so, you know, just working out and eating right and all those things have become such a part of my stress relief and, you know, a, a hobby of taking care of myself. You have to make taking care of yourself a hobby. 
you really do. You have to make it that kind of a goal and, and put it at that high of a priority in your life. And it's taken me all these years to learn how to do that. So that's kind of the short version. Of the <laughs> oh, wow. That is amazing. Thank you. I mean, to have that much determination to not only help yourself, but help others. Yeah. And and you look great. You're, you're, I've, I've seen your talks. I've watched your YouTube channel and you're just so vibrant and full of energy. Thank you. So where did you start? I mean, it sounds like you, you got disappointed because you didn't expect people to gaslight you, I guess, if that's what you want to yeah. call it. Or, oh, yeah. But yeah. after you got this... Pam Smith, doctor, listening to Dr. Pam Smith, you right. came home to San Antonio. What was the first thing you started to do? You know, I, I, I honestly don't remember. I, I think at some point, and it's just kind of my nature. Once I wrap my head around something, I'm going to get it figured out. I'm going to get it accomplished. And I think part of it was, you know, I've spent my whole life trying to, uh, you know, do things right and do things for other people, make other people happy. And, and there was just a point where, you know, I knew I had to be a good example for my patients. I knew I had to be a good example for my children, but ultimately I just finally figured out I needed to do things for me. I mean, at the heart of everything was me. And that's very hard for women to do, to, you know, put ourselves out front. I, when I give speeches and I talk about my story and whatnot, I, I you know, kind of use the the airline example, the uh, flight attendant example of, you know, put your mask on first before you put somebody else's on. But as women, we do not do that very well. And it has taken me a long time. I'm going to be 54 in the, the summer. And it's taken me a long time to realize that if I do things for myself and put myself first, ultimately everybody else benefits from that. And, and that needs to be the setting of it. So I think that is what I have spent a long time trying to figure out and understand and uh, has probably saved me the most. Now I kind of want to give that, you know, back to, to women and help them understand. I started a book even called the superwoman syndrome about <laughs> this whole fact. And if I ever get it written, it will be wonderful. I tell you, but, um, but that's a, that's a tough thing to do, but I, I just really think that's one of my biggest, um, uh, you know, biggest lessons to myself and, and hope to teach others that we we've got to do that as women. It's so important. Yeah. And, and today's actually, um, international women's day. So right? Isn't that thank crazy? you for yeah. being a great example. Hey, that's like, that <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I, I just realized that this morning I was like, and I'm talking to Dr. Pinkson. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. I realized that earlier today, somebody brought that. I'm like, really? I didn't know. That's great. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. We'll celebrate yeah. that. <laughs> And with your practice and all the learnings, how do you help people with autoimmune disease? You know, um, I think the most difficult thing about it is we don't always know what the cause is. Um, you know, there, there's plenty of theories about, you know, gut health and, and immune health and how that ties in. There's a lot about, you know, hormone health. I think there's a lot that the industry has done. And I, I give a huge speech on that about how the industry has affected our, our health and our immune system and, and gut and everything. But ultimately, we don't really know exactly what the cause is that lights the fire in somebody's immune system to turn against them. 
And it's crazy because it seems like once the horse is out of the gate, so to speak, once that immune system turns on, it's about 20, per, the, the, uh, the, the statistics are about 20% of us have this, um, this issue where once our immune system goes off, that it can't be turned off. And I think it's more than that. I think it's more than 20%. But, you know, once the horse is out of the gate, it's really hard to rope it back in. And so we just spend most of our time trying to put out fires, you know, while we're trying to look for the underlying cause. And it's very difficult to find that. I think that's the most frustrating thing about it. But, you know, I, I talk to my patients and I tell them that autoimmunity is a process. It's not like your contemporary style of medicine where you come in, I say, listen to you for 10 minutes. I say, oh, you got acid reflux. Here's your anti-acid reflux medication. Goodbye, you're done. And you go home, you take your medication, you're better. It just doesn't work that way. And getting to the, the base of it is always very difficult. So at the heart of that is trying to straighten up the immune system, trying to straighten up eating habits, trying to straighten up, you know, exercise habits and, you know, watching hormonal patterns and, and, you know, watching your sleep and your stress. And, you know, it is a, a minute to minute, day to day, hour to hour thing for people to work with. And it takes a long time to get it under control. I think ultimately, really, I teach people how to manage it and live with it. And, you know, as far as a cure, everybody wants a cure. I, at first I did too. And my rheumatologist always said, you know, we're going for the touchdown. We're going for the cure. And at one point we were like, you know what, let's just get this managed and, and see if you can live with it. You know, I live with incredible amounts of pain and my daughter has the exact same thing at 21 and I'm watching her and it just blows my mind at how sick somebody can be for what reason I have no idea. And it's so helpless but I'm coaching her on how to control it, manage it and live with it and go through the process. And I think ultimately autoimmune disease really comes down to that until we can figure out why, you know, our, why we're so broken. Right. Tough subject. Very tough. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it seems like it was a perfect storm for you. you yeah, know, you absolutely. were overstressed. You didn't have time for yourself. You weren't saying no. The, right. you know, especially being women. And, and, and that's the other thing. Women have more autoimmune diseases than men. It's, yes. I think it's like three to one or mm -hmm. two to one or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And it seems like my flares go up when I'm more stressed out. Yeah. And it, it's, it's amazing. And, and that it, autoimmune disease can be managed, but no two people are the same. Is, is that correct, doctor? It is. And, you know, you, that's an interesting point you bring up. And I think what people kind of don't realize is that, you know, when you go to a rheumatologist or to a doctor, you know, they, you get diagnosed with lupus or you get diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, or you go to the neurologist and you get diagnosed with multiple sclerosis or, you know, uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis from your endocrinologist, what, whatever you are diagnosed with autoimmune wise, it actually is all the same thing. It's just the body in different people chooses a different system to attack. So it, you know, you have to manage the neurological system different from the joint and, and muscle and, and tendon system different from the, you know, uh, thyroid different from, from each, uh, each problem that occurs. But again, at the heart of it is still the exact same thing of stress, sleep, gut, you know, um, 
getting your nutrients and, and eating right, exercise, all those, you know, all those things across all these autoimmunities are the same, even though each person has a different name on their, on their disease. And, you know, those names are really just labels underneath is still just an immune system gone wild. And, uh, and yeah, it's attacking different parts of the body. We might use different medicines for, but we're all after the same thing. And that is just to calm the immune system down. So it quits attacking and making you sick. I found that to be kind of an interesting, uh, pattern that I've picked up over the years. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, when a patient comes to you and you suspect autoimmunity, any tests or any lab work that you initially do to try to figure out where to take them? Sure. You know, I think I worked for a veterinarian when I was in high school and college. And of all people, he probably taught me the most about taking care of people. And even though he was taking care of animals, you know, he said, if, if you uh, listen to the, the owner of the animal, if you listen to the patient long enough, they're going to tell you what's wrong. <laughs> And I think there's just a constellation of, of symptoms when people describe what's going on with them that formulates a better diagnosis for me than anything in a good physical exam. But then, you know, you add on some laboratory tests and, and things like that. And, and yeah, you start to corner kind of what you think is going on. I think the problem is there's no really one good test for each problem. It's still you know, still very subjective in a, in a lot of ways. And, you know, each doctor at different stages of their learning uses different testing. So what I mean by that, I mean, I've done this for so long now that I've pretty well figured out that a lot of the testing that a lot of doctors do is pretty useless and it mm. costs a lot of money because insurance doesn't cover it. So I've gone back to doing what? Just listening to the patient and, and you know, good physical exam and things like that and, and going from that direction. There's a lot of uh, testing that is, you know, very useful. And I think it's more about looking at the damage that people have incurred. So, you know, looking at the livers or the liver uh, tests, you know, high, is there damage there? Is there damage to the kidneys? Is, you know, is the, uh, they're getting heart disease now because of, you know, cholesterol and, and the inflammation that comes from that or blood sugars or things. So it's more about that. I know a lot of people spend a lot of time looking at food sensitivity testing and things like that, or you know, getting their cortisol curves. And really, I have found that the science is just not, not quite there to give us a full on diagnosis. So I'll give you an example. When people come ask for food sensitivity testing all the time. And I tell them, I said, it's not really about the food because, you know, the food has to get across that intestine and into your bloodstream lymph system to create an inflammatory response. And so, yeah, that's important. But what about why it gets across in the first place? If we mm -hmm. can shut the gut down and heal the gut, food won't get across. You're not going to be sensitive to food. So it's about more than that. And in a lot of testing, a lot of these tests really look more for food allergies and not sensitivities. So you could be fully sensitive to something in your foods, but when you do the test, it's negative. And so that doesn't give you any information or you could be solidly positive on an allergy test and you've been eating it for so long though, you've kind of autoimmunized yourself with it, you know, like taking allergy shots that you're no longer, longer response, respond to it or allergic to it. Mm 
So I've just tell people it's, it's about more than that. So yeah, I can tell you what you're allergic to, but it won't tell me what you're sensitive to. And that's more important sometimes, but it's really about the gut. It's really about getting the gut under control and then trying to calm the immune system down. So, you know, just try to avoid these foods for, you know, these certain foods that are very typical for causing allergens, avoid them for a week or two, then pick a weekend try it again and see you stand back, see what happens. <laughs> Here's your diagnosis right there. It's a lot cheaper than some of these food tests and whatnot, but people are just kind of missing the point on some of these testings and, and whatnot. So I've kind of learned to, to look a little deeper past, you know, some of that and um, listen to people more and they, they'll tell you that he's right. They will tell you what's wrong with him. If you wow. listen. Well, thank you for explaining that. Cause you see that all over. Oh yeah social media, internet, and, you know, tests, and you think you have the answer and yes. you follow it, but like the Bible and, you know, yes. it's not really helping. So. It's not. And you spend a lot of money and these, a lot of these places, I, I think some of these labs and, and supplement companies and whatnot, you know, at the heart of it, start out with a plan to help people, but ultimately it, it comes down to let's get it out there and earn some money. And I don't blame them. I wish I had a great product that I could put out there and make, you know, get rich off of and retire too, but it really isn't the right thing. And, and I think we kind of um, get lost on Google and, and uh, our, you know, Facebook uh, groups and things like that. We get lost and spend a lot of money, you know, just spinning our wheels and, um, and there's a lot of time lost and money lost in that when, yeah. when you're desperate, you know, people are very yeah. desperate to feel better. Exactly. Get their life back. When I get it, I do. I get it. And you say that with your practice, you do a lot of listening. Can you walk us through like an initial uh, new patient? Let's say, mm -hmm. well, I mean, let's say I'm a new patient because I'm thinking about going to see you. So yeah, what, absolutely. walk me through how that works. Well, you know, I, I have people just, you know, call and make an appointment where we have a, um, you know, our schedule is really not too full. I, you know, I can't believe that it, it seems like it should be, but it, you know, we, we have some uh, open times and people just come in and, and from the first time I like to see patients first before I order a bunch of labs or tests or whatnot, there's a lot of uh, time that might be saved by ordering things ahead of time. But again, sometimes you're wasting time and money. And so I just like to hear about it first and then I'll put things into a category and order some things. And then I'll, I'll see people generally about two weeks later after I've ordered what I need and then we'll go over that. And, and in the future after that, people can come in and get their labs before they come see me after we've got things established. But, you know, the first time I, I'll, I'll see you order it and then I'll see you again two weeks later, either in the office or telemedicine to go over things and kind of get with the plan. And, you know, again, I just listen to uh, listen to what's going on, order what I need to order, just put the story together and then from there, come up with a, a plan. And, and, you know, with the way that things work in medicine, there's a lot of things that people don't understand about a medical office and a medical practice and how it works. People get very frustrated uh, very, very quickly, honestly. But uh, what I have to remind people is that this really is a process. So I can overwhelm people in that first appointment with, you know, with, a, with all the things that I see going on. So I just try to get people to understand, you know, I have to see so many people a day in order to make enough to keep my practice going. So we can't, can't spend hours with people. I'd love to, but people get overwhelmed anyway and tired and it, it's too much. So I just try to break it down and see people in a process. We start 
start with the basics and then, you know, grow. And I teach more and more, try to give you some things that you, you can read and do at home uh, because people like to do that now, but I'd like to give you the right sources so that, you know, that, um, you don't get misinformation and, you know, try to try to control it from that end. And we just we just start and we just work on things. And, and of course, everybody's so different. So it's not, you know, just a, a like the way that medicine tends to treat people now that everything's an algorithm and a recipe that everybody's the same. And this is the guideline and this is the checkbox and this is what you give and then move on. It, it's not like that. It's not the way medicine works. So, you know, each person is individual and we have to work on an individual plan together. And that takes time to develop and and you know takes time to get to know people and so we work on it if we do some referrals sometimes I do refer people out sometimes I do some extra special testing and, and whatnot but most of the time we just kind of get started and I'll see them back periodically to see how things are going then take it to the next level and uh, just continue to follow from there oh so you don't just give them a pill and you know send them yeah. off I'm just kidding <laughs> yeah, right it, it, it was yeah. easy, that would be so easy right <laughs> You know, I, I think people kind of get uh, misunderstand what integrative medicine is, and they think it's just all holistic and all natural. It's not really. I mean, that's a part of it. But if you think about how people, you know, um, practice, even in integrative or, or wait, back up, even in functional medicine or more holistic and all natural medicine, you know, there there are people who take off on a tangent, you know, the wrong way. And and people in contemporary medicine do the same. They they can go this way. And I think if you can just realize that both worlds have a lot of great things, they have a lot of things that aren't so great, both. You take the best of both types of medicine, you integrate them together and use both, then that's the heart of integrative medicine. And there are some medications and, and things from the pharmaceutical world and contemporary side that are good and very effective and, and need to be used from time to time. So you just have to know what you know and take the best of both worlds and, and like I say, integrate it together. Yeah. yeah. I know a lot of people are just, you know, black and white, but it sounds like you really have been trained to look at the whole picture. Exactly. What has Absolutely. been the most influential thing that you've studied to help you with your practice and helping patients? That's a great question. Probably myself, honestly. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I've just, I, everything that I do and work with on people from weight to hormones, to autoimmunity, to even diabetes or things like that. These are all things that I pretty well have experienced myself. And most of the time when you've experienced something like that, you know, you become quite passionate about it because you have experienced it. <laughs> exactly. You know, I could, I could really look back on all the illnesses and, and things. I mean, I've got plenty of joint damage. I need thumb replacements. My left ankle's almost fused. I mean, I've got lots of things going on, like I say, chronic pain and, you know, all sorts of things, but, you know, I could be really upset about all that, but I think in a way it's kind of a, a gift. I mean, it's made me a better doctor. It's made me put together better solutions and learn better things so I can help people and, and so I just have to take it as, as that, that it's, it has developed me into a better doctor in person to, you know, yeah. try to, a lot of people are very sick with the exact same thing I'm sick from. And so somebody's got to, you know, somebody has got to try to figure it out and help. And so I, I just take it that way. No, that that's a great point. I, I was just thinking about that. You know, a lot of people that do listen to this podcast are suffering from autoimmune disease or still don't know, have been diagnosed yet. Absolutely. And they go to these doctors and they get the same 
treatment you got and or they the doctor doesn't give them the empathy or the time because they don't they don't they never had it themselves I think that's partially true and and I think at some point again I was kind of in that you know robot frame of mind that um you know uh autoimmunity is just some kind of mystical made-up thing and and uh, yeah, developing it, suffering from, you know, really made me realize that there, there are le- very legitimate. Why would people lie? I mean, why would people make something up, you know, and sit there and be, why would I sit in front of that rheumatologist and tell him I was in so much pain when I wasn't? I mean, I've got things I want to do. I want to live my life. Why would I want to live that way or feel that way or want pain medicine? It just makes no sense. And I think the way that medicine has developed, there's uh, a- a Dr. Andrew Heyman made a great speech at AFRIN this last year talking about the development of integrative medicine and how integrative doctors are still seen as quacks and that, you know, AFRIN has survived 30 years of fighting that, you know, that vision of, of who we are and winning um, and doing very well at it. And, and there's that. Um, kind of frame of mind, but then there's also a a point where doctors, are, you know, in our training, we're just not trained well to be human, to be empathetic, and we also are not trained on these alternative sources because it's just seen as something that's you know um, visualized as something that's black. But then you bring in the insurance industry. And, um, you know, and the fact that doctors at this point are absolutely burned out completely. And that's not an excuse because nobody, if, if you're burned out and tired of taking care of people and angry about it, you need to go find a new job and do it. But you can't, I mean, you spend all this time and money on your, you know, degree and building your practice. And, you know, if you quit, you're, you know, you're going to be in the poorhouse really quickly. And you've got, you know, kids in college and cars and houses to pay for and all of this. And the insurance is, uh, you know, aren't paying you enough. You're not making enough money to support, you know, the lifestyle that you were promised way back. And, you know, it, it's, it's a point of sheer burnout and exhaustion. And I think, um, you know, we're being so controlled and told what to do now. We're losing the, you know, we're losing autonomy, but we're also losing respect in the public eye. And so we're, you know, beaten up all the time saying we're being driven by the pharmaceutical industry. You know, doctors do not want to do anything the pharmaceutical industry says just because they say and just because they pay us for something. That doesn't happen. That's not true either. So you're fighting all of those, uh, you know, myths and ideas. I think burnout is just a, a really, really enormous issue for for people in medicine these days. And and we've got to address that or it's gonna get worse. Worse. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely see that. And, and it's a cycle. You know, you have the burnout from work. Well, the patients at work, they get yeah. stressed, they get burnout, and they come to you and you're overworked and stressed. So it's 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 everywhere. It is. It, it's sad. It's very it's a sad. Broken system, absolutely. Yeah. Broken. And you have struggled, just like you mentioned, with diabetes and cancer. Well, wait. Let, let me get to this first, because I think it's very important that we talk about this. And and tell me if you don't want to, but you <laughs> said that you had, you realized you had an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And that. I would think would lead to diabetes and, yes. and so on. So 
how did you help yourself with that? That's a, a great, that's one of my favorite topics, actually, and, and nobody really brings it up much. Maybe they're afraid to or not. And I, I'm not afraid to talk about it because I think it's ex extremely important. The way that the industry, I, I'll kind of start with that, the way that the industry has built our, our, our you know, chemistry now and, and the way, if you look everywhere, everybody's overweight, you know, everybody's battling, everybody wants to lose weight and everybody wants the weight loss shots and, and all these things. And there's diabetes, especially in South Texas, just rampant. And, you know, it comes from uh, several decades of changes to our foods and, and what the industry has done. And, you know, we're not anywhere near facing that at all. Whenever you get, you know, uh, exposed to these foods and genetic modifications and pesticides and things, and then you've got stress and things like that on top of it, your body becomes metabolically inflamed and it turns against you, then you've lost control. You're losing the battle. And, you know, people, uh, I think ultimately we look at people and say, well, you just need to wire your mouth shut and quit eating and exercise a little bit and you're going to be just fine. And it's really not about that anymore. I mean, that's true at the heart of it, but it really, once our bodies become inflamed like that, it's kind of out of our control. And at, at one point I realized with diabetes on board and things like that, that that inflammatory response, I told you, once I wrap my head around something, I'm going to get it accomplished. <laughs> I didn't just, you know, gain weight overnight. I mean, I spent 13 years battling being overweight and then obese, and it just got worse and worse. And so a lot of that was out of my hands. Once I got to a point of a certain weight and obesity, then, you know, with everything and the inflammation, everything, then the genetics kicked in and that's when the diabetes turned on. And then it was worse after that. And so, you know, that was very difficult trying to, to battle that. Then you add on top of that, yes, the fact that uh, I've had a lifelong, you know, of traumas and, and issues and, um, you know, we're still going through it at the time. So everybody has to increase dopamine in their brain for pleasure. And everybody has something that they lean on to increase that dopamine. And so some people gamble, some people watch porn or have a sex addiction. Some people smoke, some people drink, some people use drugs. I ate and that was driven by the inflammatory condition going on in, in my body. It was driven by diabetes. It was driven by stress and lack of sleep. And so um, I think what, what um, something like uh, binge eating disorder is, is that you, you know, need, you, you get into a, a struggle, an emotional struggle. And when you eat like that, it increases dopamine temporarily. So you kind of get that happiness and that joy, but it's not too much longer after that, you realize what you've done. And then you get that insane guilt, you know, on top of it. So you avoid it for a couple of days, but then it's time for another dopamine surge and you kind of go back to it. And it's, it's like alcoholism or anything else where it, 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 it's beyond your, your control. There's something underneath, you know, guiding you. And I think I didn't really realize that I could tell somebody else that they're doing that, but I didn't really see it in myself. And the, the whole issue of weight loss is about finding the right support. You really cannot just do it by yourself. Ultimately, it is on your shoulders and your ultimate responsibility, but you have to get support around you. I found a woman in uh, Colorado, Sandy Townsend. She is an IFBB pro. She can be found and I would get, gladly give her information. She can do coaching. 
outside of Colorado. She can't treat, but she can do coaching. So she does see patients. And so I, I, she was in Colorado. I was here and she was coaching me and she stayed with me. There was one coach that I had that I was, she was trying to get me to see the eating disorder and whatnot. And I wasn't quite open, quite ready for that, but she got angry with me and she just dumped me and okay. So that was a little inappropriate, but this one stayed with me and it was a good three years before I dropped a pound at all, but she just stuck with me and worked with me and kept pushing me. And finally, one day she said, you know, the way you're looking at, at weight loss, Marianne, is that you know, you're, you're just going to lose all this in like six months, you're going to turn around and you go back to this old lifestyle and you're going to be fine. And, and that's just going to be this quick thing. She goes, it's going to take you two years to turn all of this around. You're 300 pounds. It's going to take you at least two years. And she goes, and if you mentally keep putting that off, it's going to be three and four and five. When she hit me with that, I was like, oh, I, I, don't want to live this for another three, four, five years. I, I hate the thought of living another two. Give me, you know, yeah, that does not sound good, but I don't want it to go any further than that. And I finally then kind of woke up to the fact and she was like, now that you see it, let's work on the why. And she goes, you have an eating disorder and you need to understand that. She goes, I see it. You're not admitting to it. And you've never told me about it. She goes, but I see it. And I think you have binge eating disorder. So we got down, she, you know, started going through some questions with me and I finally just opened up and admitted it. Cause I really didn't want to go any farther in, in life and lose any more of my life over it. I was 48 and I said, okay, if I've got two years before I'm 50, I'm going to get my health back. And I did. And she Congratulations. just, thank you. It was hard work. Let me tell you, but every, I think sometimes when we think about weight loss, we think about the end point when I'm thin, when I'm thinner, when I'm healthier, all this. And we don't realize that the entire process is just as important as the end point. And she helped me understand that I was just getting my life back and putting my life back together. And every week, day, week, month, you know, was going to be a new learning uh, point and a new success. And it really, really was, it was such a journey. And I actually did it in a year and two months. It didn't take me two years. That's amazing. I'd say that, but she stayed with me and that, that support and accountability and all that was very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have gone through everything women face nowadays, you know, the diabetes, the um, eating disorders and, 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 you know, many women have this problem. They just don't, like you said, they don't admit it or, and it's hard. It's hard. And they go through hormones too, which you said that you've gone through. What is some other than support? What would you, how do you help people that are going through hormones, you know, wanting to increase their energy, weight loss, get to practice? I think that, again, that everything has a process beneath it. So, you know, we talked about the autoimmune, um, you know, being a process. We talked about weight being a process. Feeling better in general and getting your health back is a process. Mm -hmm. Most people, when they come, they just say, well, give me my hormones, I'll feel great. And then everything's going to be wonderful. It's like, yeah, it's actually more than that. (laughs) Because in the way I explain it, it's like your body is like a 500 piece puzzle and every all 500 pieces have to be there to complete the puzzle and your testosterone, estrogen, or, you know, whatever it is we need to to fix is just one piece. 
And so, you know, there's your adrenals, your cortisol level, there's that affects your thyroid. So then there's thyroid issues that, you know, your thyroid doesn't function if your nutrition is off, you know, um, if you have the metabolic inflammation, your, you know, your triglycerides, your insulin, your blood sugar, your A1C, your, uh, there's the immune system inflammatory part of it. I mean, people just don't realize that there, there is 500 pieces to that puzzle and each one of them have to be attended to and none of them can just, you know, be perfect overnight. Now, the only thing I will say though, is if, if all the other working pieces are pretty decent, when I do the hormone replacement with them and it's all natural and I use a technology from that's been around since the 1930s, there are thousands of studies and every single one of them show safety and efficacy in the positive direction. Every one of them, thousands. And when I do that, especially in testosterone, women are like, you know, testosterone is a man's hormone. I said, like, no, it's a human hormone, but men need to be 900 to 1200. Women need to be 250 to 350. It's a big difference, but you do need it. And that is probably the one thing that I think has more instantaneous results as far as energy. It, like I say, if the other pieces are working correctly, then that's the one um, that's the one piece that I think makes the most difference. It's the most safe and the most natural too. And so, you know, I, there are certain things that I can kind of give people that at least give them a, a, a sight of what it's like to feel better, push them forward a little bit so that they can gather the energy to do all the other things and to keep going. So that's probably one of the best pieces that I have with it. But uh, but yeah, everything, you know, it is, it's just, it's just putting all those pieces together in a process and it just, you have to put the time and the energy into it. Like I say, you got to do it for yourself first. Yeah. Or else, yeah. Or else you're not going to get anything else done. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, I like the analogy of the human body is all these pieces, a puzzle piece, and you're helping as a doctor put these puzzle pieces together, but we actually have to make these puzzle pieces fit. Like we have to right. chip away at them, make them fit. Right. So you can say, okay, no, this one's missing. This one goes here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And- Such a great analogy yourself. I think I'll use that too. Thank you for that. <laughs> you know, I think people always think that there's just going to be one thing that fixes it, changes it. And it's not, it's a lot of different things, but yes, everybody is at a different place in their process. Some people are just at the negotiation phase where, you know, they want to make changes, but they don't want to give up their food or they don't want to pay the money to do the hormones or they don't want to, you know, and some people are all the way at the end. They've been fighting it for years and they're just worn out. And at the end and like, that's it, just whatever you got to do, let's do it. I'm ready, you know, and then there's everybody in between. So, you know, as a doctor, you just have to sit and meet people where they are. And I think that's really frustrating for doctors sometimes that, you know, I'm here and I'm telling you what to do. I've got the answer. I'm telling you what to do, but patients really fight you or don't want to, or they don't hear it yet, but you just have to realize, and, and this was true for me. I told you it was 13 years before I got my act together. And I was at different levels and, and that one coach gave up on me and just was mad because I wouldn't do it her way. The other one stuck with me and just met me where I was and let me process and get through when I was ready. I was ready. And then it happened. And she was ultimately the, you know, on my pedestal up there because she stayed with me on it. So I think as physicians, we kind of have to remember that just to meet people where they are. And I can push and nudge you, but if you're not going to do it, then, you know, I'm the 
it's I'm not going to I'm not going to do it for you, but that <laughs> we just have to be encouraging and not get too frustrated with people before, you know, before they finally get to that point. And they will. They'll make it one of these days. You just have to be patient. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I think that's a beautiful way to end our podcast. And awesome. It, it really came together in a nice bow, I think. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is this is nice. This is probably one of the better podcasts I've I've had. This has been a, a great to tell that story, and and I, I hope that uh, I hope that it's helpful for somebody. If it's helpful for one person out there, then we've done our job today for sure. But thank you. I appreciate the opportunity so much. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Absolutely. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. There are three ways to show your support. One rate the show on Spotify. Two, leave a review through Apple. Three, share the episode with a fellow autoimmune warrior so they too can have hope and be stronger than autoimmune. So let's get started. Even though Dr. Pinkston has autoimmune disease, she has been able to create a robust life with hard work. I'm grateful she was open to sharing her experiences and what it takes to change. If you are interested in her radio show or YouTube channel, I added the links in the show notes. If you are in need of support, check out a free autoimmune support group online on Thursdays through an app called Isla Health. See the link in the show notes. Until next time, be stronger than autoimmune.